Hi, I'm Johan. And I'm Martin. And uh, we're from the radio department and you're listening to Music A to Z. Hello, and welcome to the Music A to Z podcast. I'm Steve Ferguson. And I am the other Ferguson. Well, I guess one of many Fergusons, mm. but specifically Doug Ferguson. It's been a while, Doug. It's been a while. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. You know, we're, we're busy folks mm. making, being, being busy boys. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I just uh, came off uh, the Wanda Fuca Trail. Mm-hmm, uh, five mm-hmm. days of uh, challenging exertion i heard it was uh, quite uh quite challenging it was um but you know interestingly i'm gonna thank you um because <laughs> yeah uh, because do you remember we were having a talk about playland and anxiety inducing rides and i asked how do you do it doug and at first you said that you didn't have the ride anxiety that i do fair but then do you remember what you said afterwards uh, I think I said something along the lines of, I think I just do it and don't think about it much. Uh, I mean, or, basically, but there was a little more involved that, you know, you're in the line. Oh, yeah, you're in the line. And yeah. then, and so, and you, and the next thing you know, you're on the ride. Uh huh. And then there's nothing you can do about it. And you just got to see it through, right? <laughs> that was basically my motto last week. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, that's strangely poignant, Doug. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, because I, 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 it was the elevator we were talking about. You're like, how do you do that? Oh, yeah. Scares the piss out of me. And I was like, I mean, I just kind of lined up for it. And next thing I knew, I was strapped in. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, from that point, it's too late. It is. No, you're, you're 100% right, though. You're 100% so, right. So, you know, it's uh, I, if you think about it too much, you're just going to psych yourself out and give yourself more anxiety. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you're in a line... Just talk to the people around you and talk about things that aren't being on the elevator, and uh, <laughs> and then you're then you're good. And you're gravy. Let's get into some music news. Uh, first and foremost, I know you saw this because I sent it your way. After ten years, after ten years, the hives are back. Yes, yes. I the, still haven't listened to the album. Yet. The death of Randy Fitzsimmons. 10 years. I was going to be like, hey, we should cover the highest. And I'm like, oh, wait, we did. We did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, uh, I guess, well, in that case, we must have covered up until their latest album. Until, until the Oh, yeah, because one. when we did our uh, revisit of our first run, our first run review, the Hives still at that point hadn't done anything. Yeah, and now that's been yeah. a few years. Yeah. And yeah. now... And now finally they're back. Uh, their lead single was Bogus Operandi, but I believe they had another single too. I mean, they're still rocking pretty hard, but not quite as aggressive as you know they once were which kind of makes sense because i mean like i mean you know you get to a certain age you can only rock so hard yeah yeah it's 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 kind of tricky and Mm -hmm. uh but you know they uh, i'm curious to hear because clearly they felt there was enough interest with the guys that they wanted to put out another album yeah Um, i recall they they are missing a member or uh or have replaced a member hmm. um they all have names i can't remember Something like Danny Demolition or something like that, right? <laughs> you know what? Let's look it up. Let's look yeah, it up. why not? But yeah, but most of them are, are most of them are back. So yeah, uh, I just to be honest, I didn't think we'd see them again. I will admit, I didn't. I didn't think we'd see them again. I always had a feeling they'd be back. I just, I'm just shocked at how long it took. I because I just feel like they, I th- I feel like if the hives if they were going to stop making music, it would have because it would have been because the stage exploded. 
<laughs> when they're on it. <laughs> and like, oh, that's the only way they could have gone. Yeah, Dr. Matt's destruction is no longer oh, with yeah, the band. Right, yeah, so yeah. farewell, Dr. Matt. Destruction. Good, goodbye, Dr. Matt. Uh, just looking, yeah, these guys are pushing 50 now, eh? Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Uh, and they started, if I recall correctly, they started when they were like teens. Yeah, and they've, they've been going for a long time. They were going for a while before they got really big. Mm-hmm. So... I don't, I'm just I'm glad to have them I'm glad to have them back. Yeah, why not, right? You know, why not? And they uh, apparently they recorded the album in a studio owned by founding ABBA member Benny Anderson. Why not? Yeah, if, if it's there. Any. If it's there. Yeah. So uh, so I thought that was cool. I thought that was cool. Music is an interesting thing, and you know, actually, I feel like this kind of ties into our episode today. Well, actually. On that note, yeah. note, if we're talking about bands that have been gone for about 10 years, yeah. Sigur Rós came out with a new album as well. Right. Yeah, after, right. I think it was about nine years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I did listen to that, and it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was, I was, uh, was kind of was kind of open for listening. You were a little underwhelmed, Doug? A little. I feel, you know, I guess I know we're not covering S's for Sigur Rós, but well, we, we, already we already did. We so, already did, yeah. uh, I guess I... It feels it's very cinematic. Mm. A lot more orchestralish stuff happening than before. Uh, but I feel like for they lay a lot of awesome groundwork mm. for songs. But I I feel like very rarely do the songs come through for you. Like mm. are, are they very rarely fulfilling and actually like stick the landing. And uh, with this is some exceptions that I think are pretty good on the album. But I just. I kind of feel like um, there was something grand planned, but uh, whatever it is, the the arc of the album doesn't quite. It just doesn't feel complete to me. Oh dear. So anyway, uh, it's not it's not bad. It, it's just it's just um, I don't know. I just that that last album that they left on Kiverker or however you said it. I just I just felt like that one delivered really good, and this one is admittedly in a very different direction than that, and I don't mind that. I just don't. I just feel like for a band that's typically very good at at big swells of energy, yes, and and like making making the journey worth it, uh, it that it, this album didn't really do that. Especially after again waiting like about a decade. Yeah, so, yeah. I think that's something that, uh, and this is something one hundred percent we're going to talk about in this this episode. If if you've had such a long hiatus. I think you need to be sure that you are thoughtful in what you put out. Because you, you can't help it. Your your fans, their expectations are going to be high. Yeah. And I'm not saying you have to release a masterpiece. But I'm saying you you have to be thoughtful about how you put the album out and what you're putting out. And, I mean, Sigurosa are very, very talented. Don't don't just give us, you know, necessarily a generic album. Why Why did we wait so long? Why did we wait, wait so long for something that could have been released after, I don't know, eight months? Yeah, and uh, I guess yeah, anyways, I guess we, we will touch more on that uh, as this as this episode progresses. Yes, uh, yes, it is one hundred percent one hundred percent related to uh, to this album or this album, this album, this band. Doug, who's the band we're covering today? Uh, today, Stephen, we are talking about yeah, yeah, yes.
Um, yeah. Yeah! The yeah, yeah, yes. Well, actually, they're not the yeah, yeah, yes. They're just yeah, they're yeah, just yeah, yeah, yes. They're just yeah, yeah, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, I think I even have that written down. That's, they're just, yeah, yeah, yes. It's yeah. it's very, I don't know, I find, I find naturally you want to say the yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. But uh, just like one might want to say the arcade fire. Mm. It's just arcade, arcade fire. fire yeah. It's just yeah, yeah, yes. Um, the, the one I'm the most stumped on because it changes from album to album is Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> the, the, the they have definitely been credited as the the Goo Goo Dolls, definitely. Yeah, but but I've also definitely seen just Goo Goo Dolls on, yeah. on some album covers too. It could so. go either way. I haven't heard so, from Goo Goo Dolls in ages. I'm actually uh, I'm, I'm I've been catching up on them, so maybe 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 next G we can we can look oh, into that. That might be exciting. that may be a good. Ch- yeah, show. that's that's uh that's uh that's some seminal uh, '90s rock in there. But yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. On the other hand, well, okay, <clears throat> okay, well, hold on. Let's take the way back machine, Doug. Uh, since we were talking about seminal '90s rock, yeah, yeah, yeahs were part of the New York post-punk resurgence of the early 2000s. There was a book called "Meet Me in the Bathroom." Uh, does that name sound familiar? Uh, it's also a Stroke song. It is a Stroke song because the song, the book was about the Strokes. Uh, uh, and yeah. I, I, they, I think they also did a movie. You could feel the love from the community. You could fail, and it didn't matter. It was about freedom. It became her home. Those years were the big bang of my life. Yes, they did. Yeah. yeah, you caught it. They did a documentary, but for the purpose of the documentary, they decided to uh, expand it to not just be about the Strokes, but to also include TV on the radio, Interpol, uh, yeah, yeah, yeahs, and the Moldy Peaches. I think there was one I didn't recognize, and a couple other bands too. Finding this documentary was irritatingly hard. I know they played at the Rio a little while ago, and I wanted to see it, but you know, if you don't catch it, you yeah. don't catch it. It's apparently available on Crave. I went to look on Crave, and they said it wasn't available at the at the time, but they had it listed. <laughs> like we, we're acknowledging it exists. We're acknowledging that. Well, it was one of those, you know, we've played it before. We'll probably play it again, but it's currently not available, sort of things. Right. I don't know. Pro- probably licensing. You know, it's, it's always like. Stuff well, that's like the that. thing. Crave has got the model of of just licensing out. Basically, the, a lot of the streaming services that we don't get up in Canada. Yeah. Crave's like, oh yeah, we'll play it all. We'll play it all. Yeah. Cool. Like yeah, the, and and honestly, I think it's working for them. Yeah, I yeah. I think so. I think so. Honestly, Crave is usually my go to, just because their listing is great. Amazon Prime. <laughs> a little side tangent. Amazon Prime sucks. You, you pay Amazon Prime and to like see some, and you're like, okay, well, I want to see Invincible or The Boys right. or whatever, and and the, some of that stuff is fine. You can just go watch it, but other stuff, it's just like, oh, you want to see this? You got to pay more. Yeah. This is like, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Well, what's great about Crave is you get stuff from Paramount Plus, yep. for sure, mm-hmm. and from Max. Yeah. And then whatever else they yeah. they can acquire. So yeah, Crave. If you're in Canada, Crave is worth it. Crave is worth it because it's not that. Except there are different tiers of what you pay and sure. and how much mileage you get out of those varies. Sure. But, but uh, I got a cool deal right now where I, I think I'm not paying any extra for the HBOs. Yeah, uh, my stuff. Um, it it just came in. The entire Crave came in with with our Telus deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. that they, they Telus Telus doesn't care. They'll they'll throw it in. You know, if you if you if you play your cards, when Anyways, I worked, when I worked for Shaw, you could. Sorry, yeah, is, no, it's all good. Yeah. When I worked for Shaw, you could you could hook people up with Crave as well. Although yeah. it was an extra cost. Yeah, uh, I think it was like seven bucks. Or something. I, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. So anyways, well, anyways, finding this this documentary, um, I went to search Roku, and Roku said, "Well, it's on Apple TV." I'm like, "I'm not getting Apple TV." And there's also right. on some streaming service I didn't recognize. Uh, so I went to look on YouTube, and there is about fifteen to twenty minutes worth of the doc on YouTube. Okay. 
and I watched that 15 to 20 minutes. It is mostly geared around the strokes. That kind of makes sense. And actually, to be honest, very fascinating. Julian Casablancas, very shy, shy guy. Really? Okay. And a perfectionist, but easily intimidated. And it was super, super fascinating. And there, the parts I was able to watch did kind of mention the very genesis of Yeah, Yeah, Yes, but I didn't get that far. The earliest stuff that it mentioned was that back around the time when strokes were forming uh was that uh karen o would be playing acoustic stuff at cafes but not really digging it which kind of aligns with with more of the history that we're gonna get into but the 2000s new york post-punk revival scene we'll call it post-punk revival uh which i know some people like to call a genre i don't i I don't think of it as a genre as much as a uh uh, as an atmosphere. So you had all these all these kids then who grew up on post-punk. You know, early 80s stuff. Yeah. And mm-hmm. now they've just spent the 80s listening to New Wave. Uh, and the 90s listening to a lot of pop. Of super, super polished stuff. Like, really. Like, I mean, the late 90s especially. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. The time of polished pop. And they want to uh, they want to create some more back-to-basics. Not punk. It's not punk. It has punk influences. Mm-hmm. Although the Hives, I will still argue, are punk. Yeah, um, yeah, I would. But the Strokes, TV on the radio, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was Interpol, Interpol in the mix? Yeah, Interpol yeah, was in the mix yeah, too. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah but yeah, they're not, definitely not punk. No, 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 no. And now there's TV on the radio, right? So you have this movement, and this is all coming around New York City, and a lot of these guys know each other, right? Uh, because, you know, they're sharing venues and equipment. Uh, Liars. Liars is another one that uh, is uh, is included in this mix. Mm. And so you, you you have this movement. And I remember, remember what it was like back back in the early 2000s when you had this really raw stuff coming out? You were uh, into the Strokes before I was. You were was, into Interpol uh, before I was. Well, yeah. I mean, all this stuff basically was when I started to really get into music. Like, I mean, I've always been into music. I've always loved music. I feel like during high school... There was something holding me back in finding music that was really for me. Mm. But there was some I found, obviously. You know, I listened to... I, there's still a lot of stuff I still listen to, like Moby. But it wasn't until, I think, about grade 12 and then into college where suddenly, like, I was inundated with the last few years of stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was from this scene. The Strokes. Uh, yeah, Interpol. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was a few years later. Um, um, yet when the few years later, by the time they released their full length LP, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about my personal journey. Oh, your personal journey. Okay. Yeah, so. as far as I find it, uh, there was tons of stuff I was getting into at that point in time. Dandy Warhol's was a big one too. Mm. And uh, yeah, so there was just there was, yeah, I, I just felt like that was a point in time where my taste in music was just kind of really cemented and uh, in, in whatever what of those in those broad strokes that they were. I, I, I think it was and it was because of you know as, as much as people. You know, as much as it was a big industry scare, a lot of it was because of stuff like, you know, LimeWire and, and being able to just download and sample tons of stuff. Even though I was actually pretty good about supporting music, I still am pretty good about supporting music where I do go out and buy the albums and stuff like that. So, like, I, 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 I try to maintain a level of integrity with the piracy is like, I need to know what I'm getting into because I've been burnt before. Yes. So I, wanted, yes. I would select random tracks from an album to see if I felt that it was worth it. And if enough of those random tracks felt like it was worth it, then I'd go out and pick the album up and just buy the CD. Seems fair. Yeah. Uh, because you couldn't you couldn't rely on radio hits. No. They were not uh, like be, <laughs> default always comes to mind. <laughs> uh, it's it, it, it's you know that album isn't the worst, 
But I just remember like the three singles being mm-hmm. just notably way better than anything else on the album. Mm-hmm. And so like they knew which songs were quality and then they kind of like just just finished the album. <laughs> and again, it's not the worst album. It's it's very early two thousands rock, uh pop rock, but but yeah, I just I just felt like uh you know, I just wanted I wanted to feel a little better about my album purchases and, and have a good collection that I wanted to listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also felt that there was a uh, a shift in kind of tone for the songwriting as well. The these uh this post punk revival was still uh still very masculine. Yeah. But it wasn't as aggressive as a lot of yeah. the rock. You know, the new the, metal like the, and uh, the new metal and the the Nickelback and Nickelback followers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there was that yeah, you know, the the all the Nickelback was like, whoa, the, like they took the world by storm. And then there was a wave of bands that tried to be like them. So many. Um, yeah. To varying degrees of success. I keep thinking of like Theory of a Dead Man. and Although I think they wound up carving out their own identity sure. with some time. And Default as well was, was kind of like hot off the heels of them. Because actually I think that their first album was co-written by Chad Kruger as well. So, And yeah, there was something just like... <sighs> It kind of a kind of an anger to the rock. Yeah, it's like um, you burned me. I'm so heartbroken, and I'm gonna yell at this microphone. And yeah, the you know the Strokes that just wasn't the vibe. No, Interpol that wasn't the vibe. It was, no. it was just something. It was something a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, particularly. I mean, Interpol. I I feel uh, particularly the there's mu- much more emotional depth in Turn on the Bright Lights. Than uh, a lot of albums, <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, and you know the strokes. The strokes is kind of almost difficult to peg what the emotion is with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's a bit of brooding with strokes, but by the same it, token, it's not like depressing. Well, sometimes it can be a little dour, but um, there, the, I think it's that that balance between Casablanca's lyrics and that upbeat guitar. Yeah, it, so it can be kind of hard to pick, and I think people kind of liked it, even though it was it was a sort of a back to basics rock a lot of the time. You know, you got your guitarist, your drum, and the singer on stage. You know, sometimes that's nice. I kind of missed the hype when it was when uh, as this it came out. Mm. Uh, there was a lot of hype around that album, and I was just I was just a little too young to be aware of it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I by missing the hype, I think I I think I was did myself a, a good service because I started with Room on Fire. Yeah, that's the one I started with. And and I think a lot of people felt disappointed by that one, but I I didn't at all. No, that's I, not, that album's great. I, I, I think people have warmed up to that album yeah. quite a bit. Uh, I think history has treated it really well, but I just remember that people were like, "Oh, it's no, is this it?" And then I listened to "Is this it?" and I'm like, well. I don't know. They're both really good. (laughs) (laughs) But I I leave in like Room on Fire a bit more. Yeah. So. Room on Fire sounds uh, a little more, uh, honestly, like the whole album almost sounds a little more panicked. The room is on Well, I mean, yeah, certainly you think of Reptilia, but on the whole, I I, I don't know. uh, It's, it it has manic tendencies at times. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we've mentioned the Strokes so much is because they kicked off this, or at least are widely considered to have kicked off this, uh, this craze. They were the first ones really to chart very well while doing it, much to their own surprise. They paved a lot of uh, a lot of the way uh, for bands to follow in their, in their way, including the IAS. And IAS, before they even released their first EP, uh, they were opening for Strokes, uh, Strokes, and even White Stripes. Uh, oh, cool. There's there's a, there's another obvious example too. White Stripes. Actually, yeah, right? they. Def- I, I feel like definitely the IAS are more comparable to them. Yeah. And then the Strokes, for sure, musically speaking. Okay, so who are the IAS? Frontwoman Karen Lee Orzelek, 
She was born in Busan, Korea, to a Korean mother and a Polish father. I uh, didn't stay there long, but uh, grew up in Inglewood, New Jersey. In the late 90s, she went to Oberlin College in Ohio, uh, which Oberlin College, for those in the know, is the oldest co-ed college in the U.S., as well as the first to admit African-Americans. And the uh, alumni for Oberlin include um, Mark Cohn, who uh, you may remember remember as uh, Walking in Memphis. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, he was supposed to be, like, the next big thing. Lena Dunham, lover hater. William Goldman, uh, the writer of The Princess Bride. Avery Brooks, Captain Sisko himself. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ed Helms and uh, Liz Fair. There she met a drummer by the name of Brian Chase. He was enrolled in a jazz program. I don't want to say principally as a, a jazz drummer, but you can tell he has very strong jazz drumming influences. Even, actually, I've been watching... There was a, a documentary uh, I watched uh, called No No Modern Romance. There is No Modern Romance. And he holds his two drumsticks uh, differently, depending on which hand. One of them in the sort of the more traditional jazz and the other with more traditional rock. Uh, it's very interesting. Now, that's not to say that they immediately got together and formed a band. No, no. They just kind of clicked. They got on, etc., etc. She moved on to New York University's Tisch School of the Arts. Uh, I was looking up their alumni, and quite frankly, it is intimidating and too many very notable names to list. Oh. So look that up, Tisch School of the Arts, T-I-S-H, if you have a time, and you'll say, wow. It was there that she met a photographer slash guitarist, Nick Zinner. Now, he had been a member of the Boba Fett Experience from uh, 1993 onwards. They changed their name to Challenge of the Future because they didn't want the pants suit off of them. That was probably a good plan. Yeah, I think so. Definitely good in the long run. He joined when, that band when he was 19. And the band continued on until 2001. And I think they did like a reunion a little later. Uh, Karen O and Nick Zinner formed an acoustic duo, called themselves Unitard, in 2000. However, it just wasn't hitting the right spots for them. It just wasn't, it wasn't what they wanted to do, not really. Uh, so they decided to amp up the sound to, a post, to that post-punk revival. And they recruited a drummer. However, that drummer left, so they brought on Chase. Uh, so now, <laughs> okay. now Brian Chase. Now he's an on. I saw a little quick clip of Nardwar uh, doing his thing and interviewing Yeah Yeah Yes. You know, bringing out random random trivia stuff. And uh, one of them was he 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 kind of grilled Karen about uh, the cramps. But one thing, yeah, 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 I think you all love is you love the cramps, don't you? <laughs> yeah, we like you, crampies. Have you done any crampsian mic things on this particular tour? And what is a crampsian mic thing? And could you demonstrate with this mic right here, Karen O, what a crampsian lux interior mic thing is? Can you do it? I can do it, yeah. It's like this one, for instance. And who are the cramps? They say, well, they're a band, and their live shows apparently were insane. And one of their their uh, their most notable appearances in the live show was the lead singer had a tendency to get the microphone, and then put it in his mouth and aim it straight up and sing that way, uh, which Karen O is, is known for doing. Um, oh. Yes. And Nardware always finds this stuff out. You know, he finds this that stuff sounds out. like the sound engineer's, engineer's worst nightmare. It does. It does. <laughs> um, now, in those days, in those days when they were all poor, 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 poor musicians trying to make ends meet, they had a loft in New York City that they shared with uh, Emily Haynes. <laughs> Well, she she's everywhere, isn't she? Yeah, she is everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is long before metric as we know it. I'm not even sure if she knew James Shaw by that point, but yeah, 
So, after, uh, again, a bit of a local touring for The Strokes and White Stripes, July 2001, they released an album, or sorry, an EP, called Yeah, Yeah, Yes. Yeah. It's erroneously sometimes called Master, because the uh, necklace on the front uh, says Master. However, it is not. Now, the interesting thing is, besides being a an awesome possum guitarist, Nick Zinner, he loves working with samples and loops. Even though it sounds like the album sounds like just guitar riffs, he's actually sampled a lot. He samples from the band's ESG, uh, Le Tigre, and uh, one of the last tracks that even uh, interpolates uh, Tommy James and the Chandelles, but somehow manages to make it sound like something just straight up recorded in a garage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so already, already Zinner's got a very, very technical mind when it comes to how he wants to make his music. But Doug, tell me about the Yeah Yeah Yeah's EP. Uh, I think it's actually a pretty decent little EP. This seems to me like if I bought this at a show, you know, like they opened up for the Strokes or whatever, uh, I'm like, oh, cool. I, I can't wait to hear what they have next. Because yeah. it's just a nice little sampler pack of what they're able to do. Because, uh, yeah, the, the songs are fairly varied. There's only five tracks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, I don't know, I guess I just feel like that's important when it comes to something that, you know, clocks in under 15 minutes is just how many different sounds can you get out so that people will want to hear more. But, uh, I think the track of most note to me anyway <laughs> is Miles Away. Oh, not the one I was thinking. Okay. <laughs> unless, that's, unless I'm, I'm misremembering no, 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 which one. Please, please. What is that? It's, uh, it's kind of insane. Or is that, or is that, or are you thinking th- the one that goes... Maybe I am at the university. Yeah, where it's it's goofy kind of do 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 do, and then she like literally screams the chorus. Yeah. Okay. So maybe that's yeah. Okay. But anyways, the one that's all balls to the wall, crazy. He's very aggressive, kind of experimental. Yeah. Okay. So that is the okay. So I'm just sorry, everybody. I'm sorry. I've I've already I'm I'm one I'm into the EP. I'm already letting y'all down. Hey, if if Spotify is to be believed, that's like uh, the most listened to song off that EP by a lot. Okay, which is strange. Funny. Yeah, I don't know, but it's it's just kind of it's weird stuff. Uh, I like the fact that they're already kind of they're already willing to go into that weird direction. Yeah, and uh, so you know, honestly, it's just it, for something that's like 13 minutes and change. It's just a nice little like. You know, if you're on your way home, you listen, you're, 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 you're finished whatever you're listening to, you got a few more minutes left, absolutely put on the AAS EP, mm. um, because it's definitely, uh, it's it's definitely worth the time. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, Bang, fantastic song. Like, what a way to open open a song. But yeah, I basically said the same thing about Art Star. Uh, I love it. It's, it's insane. It's, it's insane. Bunker's boy. So the pressure was on to uh, to continue the momentum and to record an LP. They had a few outtakes, which they released November 2002 on an EP called Machine. Machines. Machines. This one was produced by Yayayaz and David Andrew Sitek, uh, one of the members of TV on the radio, who would be a very frequent collaborator. Hmm. Um, and it wasn't because of, like, we got to seek this guy out because it sounds amazing. It was because they knew him. And he was like, yeah, I can help you out. Uh, Machine is short. Really short. It's less than 10 minutes. Okay, it's, so I, I mean, so I have no excuses to have not listened to it other than I just didn't. That, that, that's fair. The interesting thing about Machine is that where the last one felt like it it could have been just been recorded in someone's garage, this one had like a, a, a very tangible kind of like live feel. Hmm. Like they, they, I mean, you can hear 
like a crowd or applause or cheers or anything like that. But there was something um, a little more, a little more authentic. Like like they were singing to an audience. Like they were playing for an audience. Uh, like uh, less were hidden away and more like we're we're playing on the street kind of thing. Um, but it's really short, so um, don't get all caught up in that. But legitimately, I had a very, uh, I thought it was a really nice little EP. But that brings us all the way to April 2003. And their debut album, Fever to Tell, produced again by AES and David Sitek. And he was also managing them at the time. Oh. I'm going to first get into Maps. Maps was their big song. Big, big song. She was going out with Angus Andrew of Liars. Um, and the relationship was not going well. Um, and she was in a really rough patch because she felt like the relationship was slipping away from her and she didn't want it to go. And on the day that they were recording the music video, she had invited him to come, you know, and watch the music video being recorded. It's a very simple music video. It's like they're kind of in like a studio sort of, you know, that's her feel or they're in a room. So nothing grandiose, and uh, you know, and this is a song that she wrote for him, and about about their relationship, and he was three hours late. Like in those three hours, she thought he wasn't coming. So as they're shooting this video, she just starts crying and crying and crying, and can't stop crying during the entire shoot. And uh, by the time the dude actually shows up, you know, she's like emotionally spent. There is, has been a long-standing rumor, because I'm sure somebody's going to mention it if I don't say it, even though it is entirely unconfirmed by the band, and they won't say it, that MAPS is an acronym for My Angus Please Stay. However, the lyrical content does seem to compare relationships to geography on a level. Uh, not an uncommon uh, uncommon uh, writing subject. Yeah, so. I, I, I don't... I, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I could see maps just kind of like being talking about, you know, a journey of a relationship, that yeah. kind of thing. You know, I, I, I mean, maybe, maybe it means that, but I, if if, if they haven't made any, if they haven't said so, then it just, yeah, it could be just speculation. Yeah, I, I, I would say, yeah, honestly, I would say so as well. But I'm like, oh, it's it's cited like everywhere, along with the disclaimer, this has never been confirmed. So, so <laughs> yes, I am, I am not saying that's what it stands for, but I am acknowledging that a lot of people believe that and you know it's hard to not romanticize a song of that nature i get it and also for the record i have listened to some of liars and i don't like them <laughs> i not were they the open for uh, yeah they opened for radiohead when we saw them yeah i yeah I, you know i always i always listen to an opening band hoping to like them yeah uh although i i honestly don't uh, don't know enough liars to have a stol- solid opinion on them um, but I, I, I haven't really felt a need to. Uh, our friend Travis had sent us It Fit When I Was a Kid, I think the name of the song was. Okay. And I, I wasn't impressed by it. But uh, anyways, I would prefer to listen to Yeah, Yeahs over Liars. Just saying. Just saying. Just, you know what? You know, water Steve under the bridge. taking sides. You know, it was water under the bridge by this yeah. point. This is ages ago. This is ages ago, guys. This is ages ago. Anyways, uh, so before we get into uh, more of the stuff about this album, please tell me. What did you think? I was introduced to Yeah Yeah Yeahs by our old friend at the theater, Marta. Oh yeah, yeah. She we were we were exchanging music back and forth, mm. and she lent me both the first two albums. Okay, some of the albums she's lent me, I I've uh, I really came, came around to. Honestly, Fever to Tell, I I'm not I'm, I'm never super thrilled with it. 
Um, I, I, I wish I liked it more because I, I think I like, I like what it is as a, as a very raw stripped down garage rock album. I like that. So it's great in concept, but I feel like the songs just aren't really there for the most part for me. Uh, it's, it's never bad. I, I know I'm not listening to going like, Oh my God, this is garbage. (laughs) It's, I feel like it's a case of it's good, but not great. Mm. More like, you know, so it wasn't the best introduction I feel to the band. I feel like what kind of changes my tune a bit is how extremely good the songs maps is. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's, it almost kind of embarrasses, I feel the rest of the album (laughs) because it's just, it just feels like such a cut above. Mm. Uh, songwriting wise, I just I just feel like it, it really it really is just so, so much better than most of most of the other tracks. So yeah, and it gives you a real glimpse of the potential of the band, and I think an indicator of better things to come. Again, I if you if you just really like garage rock and and, and you like you know you're really big fan of the White Stripes and and uh, the Hives and stuff like that, you know there's 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 stuff in this for you. But uh, just for me personally, it just it, it doesn't quite it just. It's good, but not great. And it doesn't quite... It's not one I want to come back to frequently. Hmm. I find it dances this line between pretty and abrasive. Uh, Like Tick, for example, is pretty nutty. I also said, it's okay. I appreciated the album. I legitimately appreciated the album. But I I, I also didn't have an urge to go back and revisit it. Um, I did note, however, it's deceptively amateur. Like, it comes off as amateur. Mm -hmm. But... Its aim of being minimalist, it has trouble mastering that. Like, you can have a very minimalist album that sounds amateur, but then if you, you know, remember, you know, you, you want to, like, play it or whatever, and you realize, oh, wait, this sounds more complicated than I thought, and it just made it sound easy. They are still, at this point, trying to find that line. Now, the song No, 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 that is an excellent minimalist track. They really hit that one out of the park. But, yeah, um, it's okay. I, th- I thought it was all right. All right. Now, so, now that being said, uh, this was a hugely influential album. I, I mean, I guess it's also a case of just the right, the right thing at the right time. Yeah. Right? So first, first off, I will say that Maps leads directly into the next track, Y Control. So I do, I do want to also say that that album cover looks like it might make some parents mad. Uh, yeah, I yeah, think that just, there is every possibility <laughs> that that is what they wanted, um, <laughs> which is which is fine. It's that's fine. It, it's, I, you know, that's sometimes that's what you want to do with your rock. That tale is old as time. <laughs> uh, I told <laughs> Andrew, I said, uh, you know, occasionally uh, when we talk about music, because uh, I try to fill them in every once in a while. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, well, you know, I tell him that rap was so dangerous and and you know stuff like that, and he's just like, well, why? Why? And I said, well, first off, it pissed off a lot of parents. <laughs> and yeah, I feel like that is that's a common thread over the last hundred years. It pissed off the parents. Yeah, yeah. well, and also like the, there was uh, there was sort of crime associated with certain certain rap artists. Oh, but, but even like uh, in the nineties, even stuff. like when talking about rock and roll. Even uh, oh, although yeah. I'm sure crime was associated with rock and roll too, it, where he listens to it, and rock and roll now sounds yeah. so tame. And I'm like, well, at the time, it pissed off a lot of parents. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, that's, yeah. that's this is the way of things. Yeah, yeah. Although you know, again, like I, I always think of of uh, the time when we were listening to to Weird Al. Nah. And dad walks in and he gets really upset. Yeah, because he thinks we're listening to Gangsters Paradise, and yeah. he, just, he goes to have a word with you about yeah. it. Yeah. And then you're like, no, no, Dad, this is a weird house. Amish paradise, and he just starts laughing and like, <laughs> and it's great. You like, flip that on his head. Oh yeah, that he, that he was like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's how it's done, man. <laughs> like, yeah, like there you go. We found some rap that's not so dangerous. <laughs> it's about the Amish. <laughs> there, there, there you go. 
There you go. Yeah, uh, so Maps leads directly into Y Control, which was also their next single. And they deliberately chose Y Control as their next sing- single because they felt it was more representative of the album, which I will agree with. The music video is a Spike Jones video. And Karen o actually had a relationship with Spike Jones for a little bit. Oh. And they would then continue to work with uh, Spike Jones's brother, Sam Spiegel, on future releases. I actually like Y Control. I think it's, I think it's a great song. But if- I can't think about it off the top of my head, but uh, it's I, you know, it's good. Okay. Okay, so around that time, Maps came out. Maps charted extraordinarily well. It was selling. People, people were a buzz. There is a fellow by the name of Doctor Luke. He's um, a uh, he's a record producer and a and a pop song writer and stuff like that. And uh, he's a uh, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, now we, now we can say you know attempted rapist and uh, sexual assaulter, but uh, you know at the time he was just Doctor yeah. Luke. Yeah. So so now he's a controversial figure, but I guess at this point in time they didn't. Yeah. Well, I'm sure some people knew. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, he sat down and he was with another producer and writer, and they were hearing maps, and they're like, "This sounds so good, but why don't they just write a pop hit to flesh out the chorus?" It's not exactly what why what yeah yeah is do. At this point, anyways. Right. And so they, they felt, you know, the song is just one step away from being truly great and being like a platinum song. And so they wrote the song, taking a lot, like a lot of elements. If you listen to them back to back, which I will play in a second. They wrote Since You've Been Gone for Kelly Clarkson. Oh, they wrote based off of... Based off of maps and take and lifting some stuff off of maps. I'm just trying to think about that. I'd have to hear them side by yeah, side. Yeah, you got you got to hear them side by side. But, but that, that's that is interesting. I didn't I didn't know that that little nugget. Yeah, uh, reportedly, yeah, 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 were not thrilled with it because it also kind of it's it's almost a conti- I, I find it fascinating because it's kind of like a continuation of the lyrics. Mm. Let's let's be one hundred percent fair to Kelly Clarkson, especially because she's a really nice lady and and uh, and stuff. Even though she didn't write the song, the song is about you know, hey, you know what? Maybe I can move on from this relationship anyway. It hurts, but I feel better. Okay. I mean, yeah, you can't. I mean, there's no no shade on Kelly Clarkson. She's yeah. she. I think she, she she was pretty good at cranking out those kind of like rock pop rock mm. anthems. But the thing was was that the pop rock anthems weren't really happening um, up to that point, and then it they became especially with Kelly Clarkson, they then became almost very typical and. Like Pink, for example, rose to prominence, like writing on those sorts of uh, pop rock anthems. Mm -hmm. Um, And you could very easily draw a line from Maps to that. Because, I mean, I don't know if you know this, Doug, but there's a prevailing sort of prejudice out there that, like, rock is kind of a man's thing and pop is a woman's thing, you know? And so, uh, you know, if you want to shoot, well, I, I, uh, I guess I'll have to. Well, should just scrap this episode then. <laughs> <laughs> now, now there was never any any legal stuff because I mean, like, well, you know, it's a little it, too much to. Uh, honestly, I, and I don't think there should have been legal stuff. No, because because uh, honestly, like, music builds off each other. It yeah. builds off of itself all the time. Yeah. Like that's that's just standard practice. Um, you know, maybe a little shout out wouldn't hurt. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, but yeah, I I think that the songs aren't similar enough. 
to warrant a lawsuit. Yeah. Later, later, Beyonce sampled maps directly in one of her songs. I also want to give uh, hearty props to, uh, I think I mentioned them on the show before, Trash Theory. You ever watch, you've watched Trash Theory, right? Uh, YouTube channel discusses a lot of music history. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or at least I think. Uh, there's a few. He's, he's like a British British narrator and stuff. He, spe- he tends to specialize oh, wait, in we, 70s, 80s. Did we, with the X-ray specs? They, yes. Yes. Okay. Then yes. yes. He did the extra oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like going to Trash Theory. Um, he does a lot of really good digging. Unfortunately, he, it was his video was limited just to maps, which was kind of a good place to start. But yeah, mm. that is kind of fitting. Then the song is called Maps, mm-hmm. and it laid a map for many many a track to come. Yeah, kind of, I kind yeah. of like it. Well, I mean, I mean, okay, but let, let's pull back a bit because, like, what was the music scene at the time? We were talking about uh, basically. A post-punk band writing now on this new movement, communicating a very visceral side to uh, an upcoming breakup. It's not a breakup song. It's a, it's an it's upcoming a, breakup. This relationship might be doomed. So, <laughs> and I, yeah, and I feel like the only ones who really got popular doing that were No Doubt. And this is a very different sound than No Doubt. Very. Yeah. And so, how can it not be influential? Uh, especially. It was nominated for a Grammy for, um, interestingly, the best alternative song. Yeah, you know, it's, don't it's, don't look too much. Into yeah, it, I know. No, it's just the, <laughs> it's like, the yeah. alternative label. Some somewhat bothers me because I feel like you could stick this as rock. Really, you know, I. You just, you, cool. that's, that's the thing about alternative is that you just slap it on whatever you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was at this time uh, I watched. I mentioned it before the documentary. About a half hour long. There is no modern romance uh, done by Patrick Daughters, and he was filming them doing their supporting tour for Fever to Tell. First off, they were not ready for this level of success this quickly, and were having serious difficulties even talking about walking off the tour because of the stress. Hmm. Um, like they were having many emotional breakdowns. Uh, it was impacting their health, and also kind of. Uh, the thing I found the most fascinating was the dynamic of the band. I don't know if this is still the dynamic of the band, but at the time, um, the one who really seemed to hold everything together was uh, was the Brian Chase, the drummer. He's he's a he's a very smart guy. Uh, in music videos, he's always you know wearing the glasses, the dark glasses. But really, he's just wearing like 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 thick thick shades, and he's he looks like he could be your uh, your your cool cousin sort of guy. And he's, he seems to be kind of like the most grounded. He spends a lot of the documentary when he's on his off time drumming tempos, like just on like low pads or stuff like that. Always drumming, always drumming. Like even as he's talking to people, he's just like, he's just going, he's just going. Karen is so passionate about music, but at this point in her life, it was in the documentary. She always had basically a drink in hand. She made a joke about most bands have uppers and then downers to bring them down and then uppers to bring them up and so on and so on. And she made the joke that they only do the downers. So it's amazing they got up in the morning. But I think she was this this utter passion. Like she would threaten to not go on stage unless everybody, the rest of the band really, really believed it. And I think she was constantly afraid that it was becoming routine. 
and that it was that it wasn't about music anymore and stuff like that. And then um, it's a little early to get worried about that. I, I think. <laughs> well, yeah, but um, uh, I guess I I can admire the passion. But Nick Zinner, the guitarist, he's a very at least at that point in time. I can't speak to him now. Soft spoken, quiet, bit of a mumbler, mm. and stuff like that. And they used to piss her off because <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't reciprocating that energy. Mm. And so there was at least I think like two fights in the documentary, and I call them fights, but. You know the kind where it's just like it's just like one person is just like you know passionately speaking and speaking the other guy's kind of just looking at the floor yeah, 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 yeah you know and stuff like that but the other person wants to like see the passion and stuff and Nick is an extremely talented musician but he's not Karen O and she's like when you hear her sing she is she is putting everything into that voice and uh well then you know if anything that just highlights the importance of her being the front lady mm. and him being the guitarist yeah right uh, <laughs> that's the thing i mean yeah. i mean i like this this guy almost missed his calling for shoegaze because like he's in, even in videos <laughs> he's or, or on stage he's like looking down at the pedals or he's got a little keyboard to do his like samples and stuff like that and and it's just like hey are you are you with us hello you know and i personally i love that dynamic but I can also see that when you're stressed to hell in the middle of touring, uh, that causes a lot of friction. I don't know how anybody, I don't know how touring could not affect someone's health. Yeah, absolutely. But if it's based on the fact that you're going from city to city, crossing time zones, you, you know, you're sleeping on the go. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's hard to get, it's hard to be well rested. It's it's over time, it, it it's got to take a toll. You got to be mm-hmm. a certain kind of person to be able be able to do that. Yeah. Um, so I mean, like I, I frankly, a part of me was uh, like the documentary was only released like a few years ago, but um, I was amazed that the band survived it just by what I was seeing. Hmm. But again, you know, like I said, Brian Chase, he's he's the grounded one. You know, he's kind of like, you know, there was an argument where Karen was kept on confronting him. Are you passionate about this, Nick? You know, it's, and and he was just like, she's like, because you know what, uh, I'm thinking the album should speak for itself, and we should just end the tour now. And then you know, Nick's like, I understand. And then he gets up and he leaves, and then she's like. Why do you react like that? And Brian is just like, I'm not surprised, <laughs> you know, because he's, he's he's like the middle guy, you know. He's like, I know, I know, you know. But nevertheless, they nevertheless they they kept on going, and we get to March of 2006, where their second uh, full length album, Show Your Bones. Uh, this one is produced by Yeah Yeahs, uh, Sitek again, and as mentioned, uh, Sam Spiegel, uh, Spike Jones's brother who has also produced for Crystal Castles, Lizzo, Childish Gambino, a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, but uh, Show Your Bones, uh, if I recall, I know you've had this album for a while. When I first was introduced to Yeah Yeahs, you kind of described it to me as, I think you described it to me as White Stripes, but if if Meg was singing. Uh-huh. I, th- I think that's how you described it, um, because, spoiler alert, I had listened to It's Blitz first, and was you were trying to describe how their sound had changed. Tell me, Show Your Bones. Show Your Bones, Doug. Well, I think the album does something remarkable and takes the general sound and vibe of the first album and just kind of improves it, you know? Uh, It's not polished, per se, because they still keep the very raw, gritty, garage rock aesthetic. But uh, for me, the songs are just stronger overall. Uh, Whether uh, it's some synth embellishments in Fancy... Or that, th- or also in the song, a very uh, thunderous rhythm section. Or the hooks are just better, like in Phenomenon. I mean, how do you not chant that chorus? Something <laughs> like a phenomenon, baby. Something like... like that's just... How do you do, not? Do you notice it sounds like uh, another song? 
It does ring a bell. I'm try- I was trying to think of what else it yeah. sounds kind of like. Hello, Cool J. Something like a phenomenon. <sighs> Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, that Nardwar interview I was talking about, he literally handed uh, the band the LL Cool J album, and he's like, does this sound familiar? <laughs> and they're like, ha, 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 you know? <laughs> this is for you, an LL Cool J record. Nice. Now, why might I give you an LL Cool J record? What could possibly the connection between LL Cool J and the Yeah Yeah Yasby Carano? Um, ladies love me. <laughs> ladies love LL. No, the connection between. I know, okay, it's something of a phenomenon. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad he approached it a little, uh, like kind of. Like tongue in cheek. And oh, not, Nard, that's that's Nardwar's way, you know. It's, yeah. it's his way. But uh, even as far as like the rawness of the performance, uh, it's really captured in songs like "Warrior," which I feel like it sounds like it could have even just performed, been performed live in a small venue. Mm. Uh, the, just the way it sounds, which is it's that's that like I love that kind of aesthetic in a song, where you just kind of it, it doesn't feel like there's anything between you and the uh, and the singer and the artists. And uh, then that closer track shoot, I didn't write down what it was called, but uh, that the is... The closer track. The closer track is called Turn Into... Turn Into... Oh, yeah, I did write it down. <laughs> Turn Into, the closer track, is just really nice. Uh, has more of that... Uh, it's, it's, it's more of that low-key energy. Very simple but effective. Great closer. Uh, I think we could easily uh, think of this one as a 2000s garage rock classic. Uh, I, feel, I feel like... It, and. Just with its reputation and uh, longevity, um, I think it's earned that mantle. Personally, yeah, I just, I, I, I just, I think it's just a huge improvement. Personally, yeah, I found it was less raw, uh, and at times the vocals, uh, Karano's vocals, reminded me of Tegan and Sarah. Interestingly, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. they actually well, that's good company. They actually junked two years of material to make this album. Uh, so they oh, had been recording, really? recording for a sophomore release, and then they're like, "None of this is working. We want, we want to do something." Uh, I'm always so curious mm. when that oh, happens. Yeah. Like, what did you throw out, and was it actually good, or did you just get like ear blind to it? Mm. <laughs> ear blind. Some people might say deaf, but but that, no, actually, no, I don't. No, think, it's, I don't. It's, think it's really, that's right. it's, it's really not deaf. Yeah. It's like it is. Is like, have you just worn these songs to a point where you don't hear their merits anymore? Mm. Yeah, I, I just, I'm always curious. Yeah. That's that's my overall impression of the album. Although I will agree, Phenomena is an awesome song, though it is. It is legitimately an awesome song. Kara's vocals are mostly restrained in this album, though. But occasionally she gets chances to shine. Uh, Mysteries is a fantastic example of this, where she she gives it her whole range. Uh, especially given the EPs and uh, Fever to Tell, it it was interesting that she was attempting attempting to kind of pull it back just a little. Pull it back. I think um, also you should listen to Warrior again mm-hmm. because uh, her vocal performance in that is really good. Oh, for sure. Oh, like, for sure. Like, I, I, because I, it has that restraint, but also she lets loose when she wants to let loose. Yeah. You know, I think I forgot to mention that with the with Fever to Tell, they actually had self-financed that despite oh. record offers. Record offers had come in to say, hey, we'll, we'll fund this album. Um, if you sign with us, and they said, uh, no, we want it to be completely ours. However, they did wind up releasing and distributing through Interscope, who they stayed with for quite a while. So uh, Show Your Bones as well was released through Interscope. 
And Show Your Bones was nominated for uh, a Grammy for Best Alternative Album. Hmm. Yeah. So again, again, just slap it on the alternative label. Slap it on the alternative label. <laughs> I do feel like it's, it's pretty much rock in its purest form. Well, that's just it. And so, it's like, know, well, just... God, it's because, it's because there's a female vocalist. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> and then, kind of hot on the heels of that, we move forward in time to another, another EP called Is Is... All the way, July 2007, this one was produced by Yayayaz and a new producer, Nick Lane, who, amongst other things, uh, produced uh, Nick a lot of Nick Cave and some Talking Heads. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. actually a nice uh, nice little resume. Yep. Uh, is is besides having amazing cover art, I love that, The um, is kind of a permutation of track four, which was Isis. So uh, now, did you get a chance to hear? Is it? No, no, I didn't. I, I. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a short romp. Um, oh yeah, I love. By the looks of it, seventeen, seventeen, almost eighteen minutes. Yeah. yeah. Basically, though, what I liked about it was that it was kind of a build up off of "Show Your Bones," uh, but it was more aggressive. There was a lot more of a, more of a, a frantic energy about it. There was a lot more, a lot more aggression. All in all, actually, it's a really really good ep i would recommend it okay I'll, uh, I'll have to check it out so yeah that's that's my bad so i can try. only imagine the surprise of yeah 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 fans when it's blitz comes out in march 2009 currently the only yeah yeah's album that i have bought hmm. uh, i cannot believe it was march 2009 because i bought it when it was pretty new so yikes yeah I, I, I knew it was 2009 because i remember seeing the music video mm-hmm. of of uh zero and I just remember seeing it in the in that house on Fifty First Street, which we only lived in for a couple of years. Yeah, and it was, and and Nate and Dan were around, so so, yeah, it had to be, had to be two thousand nine. Yeah, so this was my first real exposure to yeah yeah yes, and it was the the track zero, uh, which was all over the place. Uh, I was hitting radio. It was being used in promos for shows. Like I think it was like for the OC U zero. Hmm. The music yeah, video. You know, the OC, I, I, I didn't watch it, but uh, I, I got to admit, those soundtracks, mm-hmm. they had some pretty good tracks. That's some banners. The music video is of the band preparing to go on stage, and when they go past the curtain, they're actually out in the street. And they're performing on the street to basically nobody, which I think is kind of clever, uh, because, you know, I'm a zero. You know, you're wow. getting prepared and you're going out and, uh, but you know, who, who are you? However, I was completely blown away by the next track, Heads Will Roll, which I have always loved. But what on earth would, ha- it must have been like for Yeah Yeah Yeah's fans to hear this mostly electronic album. Uh, certainly dance, dancey, yeah. electronic album. Now that's that being said, I don't want to say it's just like you know they all sat on keyboards. I mean, there's still a lot of guitar. Like Zinner really, really brings his guitar out, and he he gives it plenty of plenty of opportunities to shine. It's not all drum machines. Chase is doing his thing, but heavy, heavy electronica, Rada. Yeah. Now, uh, did you you heard the uh, the two albums? Oh well, if Marta lent you the albums, then yeah. you heard them before. It's I think I think Show Your Bones was fairly new when I listened to it. And so, yeah, I, I, I had a similar reaction when, when I saw the music video for Zero, and I didn't know who was buying. Like, this is pretty cool. I'm like, is this like Chemical Brothers? <laughs> uh, and then when I saw it was Yeah, 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 I was like, what? <laughs> and, and, and it just reminded me exactly of my reaction when I like heard Mofo by U2. Mm. And I'm like, like, this is a band way out of their comfort zone. And, and doing something that they have not done before 
and it sounds great. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'd say Zero is a better transition into that sound than I think Mofo was. By yeah, sure, because sure. uh, Mo- Mofo was just, it was a uh, it was. It's not the best track on pop. <laughs> no. But but I, I also like it, but it's also like, I can see why it was almost like seen as an insult <laughs> to, to YouTube fans at the time. But I, I admire the courage. Uh, and just and just like that, I also admire this, the courage to, uh, for this as well. But yeah, it was it was shocking. It was, it, was, it was a legitimate surprise that this was the direction that they were going in. In retrospect, not as much of a surprise because of how many bands were going in the synth rock, synth pop direction around mm. that time. It was just it was where the 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 ship the ship just seemed to be steering that way. Uh, I was trying to think of other bands uh, when we were uh, covering Stars. Stars is a good um, example. Arcade and, Fire. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Arcade. They yeah they were all kind of steering that direction. XX independent a little bit later. Well, whether it was independently or or just something was kind of in the air, I don't know. Like it was, it just seemed, and, and not everyone transitioned as well as I think the IAS did. No, well, actually, no. I think Supersymmetry is the name of that Arcade Fire album. Yeah, and I mean, then like it, it, it's not one that I, uh, I I like. I go back to a lot. I mm. I liked it, but I didn't like love it. Mm. And I think Stars made the transition well. Yeah, but but they were much they were much more tame than. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yes. So, anyways, I I just remember it's, a, it's just a, such a crazy change. Fortunately, yeah, yeah, yes made it work because uh, its blitz might be their masterpiece. It's hard to say because it's just so different from what came before it. So mm. it's like, uh, how do you how do you compare it to show your bones when it's just some? It's like they just kind of tackle a different genre and do it well. It even has uh, some experimental sounding tracks sure. as well, like skeletons, which is carried by a very understated synth sounds. And an almost there's a there's a almost Celtic sounding instrumental course, mm-hmm. and as you know the, the album isn't a complete sea change. There are songs that are are a bit more traditional rock sounding, like Shame and Fortune, but they're definitely like more polished than the last couple albums. Another synth bop is Dragon Queen, which kind of has a creepy vibe to it, despite being one of the grooviest tunes on here. It's this very interesting line that it walks. It's like, it's like creepy, but also like he can't help but move. You're like, yeah. It's for Dragon Queen, right? Yeah. I think Dragon Queen is kind of a setup to Blondie. Oh, yeah. I, I, I feel like I feel like it's I can, it's I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. And, and it opens up actually the, the final leg of the album, mm. which I think picks up just as I was kind of worried the album would peter out. Like it was, it, was, it, it, it they're pretty good about kind of laying out the, the good tracks uh, throughout to keep the energy up. Because uh, right after that one is Hysteric, which I think is one of the best tracks on here. Mm. And also one of the most emotionally stirring tracks, in my opinion. So, anyway, mm-hmm. those are my thoughts on It's Blitz. Yeah, uh, also released on Interscope. The version I picked up included, like, five or six bonus tracks at the end that were acoustic versions. Okay. Um, which is which is really interesting to hear the 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 juxtaposition of these uh, these uh, stripped down acoustic versions at the end kind of brings out an interesting dimension. But again, that was on that's on a deluxe version. Yeah, I will I will agree that this this album is just full of bangers, just full of bangers. It, again, it has the same same producers that they've been working with, Sitek and Sam Spiegel or uh, uh, Nick Alane, and so it's not like they just ditched everyone they knew and went with the, with a bunch of new people. No, no, no. This was a this was a concerted effort by all parties on board to try to do something new and different. So and and I think you can you can tell that it's not them grasping at straws, but them really, you know, working at at trying new things. 
for a couple of their tracks, especially Little Shadow, they needed to even bring in another guitarist. So Imad Wasif, who played with them during live shows, they brought him into the studio as well. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, I, I still to this day, I love it. Splits, I think it's a fantastic album. Uh, high energy stuff. Lots of fun. Uh, and just, just full of bangers. And I realize there is such a tightrope to walk when you risk alienating old fans with a departure in mm-hmm. sound. You are undoubtedly going to have people say you're selling out. Uh, and Lord knows, since again, tons of radio play, tons of ad spots and stuff, they probably made a pretty penny off of it. But uh, I feel that the quality of songwriting is high enough that, you know what, guys, go for it. I think I think you still managed to hit hit some really good chords in there. Uh, hiding amongst these dance tracks, you've still got a lot of heart and soul and uh, and a lot of talent on display. Yeah, totally. And also, I feel it's only... I, I like Moby's philosophy when it comes to if you're selling out or not. Mm. And he says, he's like, well, you know, a lot of my songs have been on products and I've made a lot of money off of that and I acknowledge that. But at the same time, you know, most of them are products that I can stand behind. Um, I don't, if I, it would be selling out if I felt that I was compromising my morals through the commercials and stuff that I, I did them about to. So just by being mindful of what you're, you're letting your music to advertise to, um, is, is, is part of the process. And, and, you know, if you, if you, you, there's, you can sell out or it's just a revenue stream, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, the commercials need music. <laughs> and and you know and, and you, they could either use your song or another song and if you can if you don't feel embarrassed by what is advertising or or like appalled then yeah. why not go for it yeah 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 absolutely all three band members became hot commodities and became sought after for production work and guest spots um I did want to quickly mention Karen O started lending her voice to a lot of stuff. I can be a frog off Embryonic in Flaming Lips, yeah. Was she doing like the? She was doing the animal sounds, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was I guess it was also around that time, or at least a few years later, when she did that song with Trent Reznor for, for yeah, Immigrant Song, twenty eleven. The uh, girl with the dragon tattoo, the the American version of American girl with the dragon version. tattoo, yeah. Uh, which, by the way, is a fantastic cover. Uh, is su- and Karen O's vocal performance that song is amazing and brings out the uh, given the content of the movie, the aggression, but keeps the femininity. Like she's not like trying to you know lower her voice pitch. She keeps it. She keeps it in a register that is that is a feminine register. But there's an, an anger to the song. I, I mean, just a perfect intro into that movie. I mean, almost uh, a woman is almost ideal to cover it because of uh, Robert Plant's vocal range. Sure, yeah. So, you true. know, he, he went high in the first place. Yeah. Uh, so, 
Yeah, I remember when that movie came out, I was working at the Dolphin Theater, and, and I would try to go in and watch the opening credits, because I just thought that sequence was so cool. It's just amazing. The, just uh, amazing. the visuals mixed in with that uh, that really heavy synth sound. Was, was, and his percussion. It was really uh, uh, eerie. I can't... Uh, oh, God. she Her voice pairs so well with industrial, because there's, there's always something a little unnatural about industrial music. There's always just something a little dirty and grimy about mm-hmm. it, and she matches it and uh, really elevates it. The way the percussion comes in on the downbeat right before, uh, Trent Reznor. Actually, uh, that gives Yaya yeah, yeah, Yaz yeah, uh, some six six degrees from King Crimson. That's true. In that uh, she worked she worked with Trent Reznor there. Adrian Ballou worked on uh, Nine Inch Nails albums. Boom, six it's degrees from, from King Although Crimson. Although I said that uh, one of the guys uh, did production work for Talking Heads. Uh, oh yeah, 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 but that's Nick so, Nick Lane. Oh yeah. yeah, that's true. We are. so you know the the connections were already there. Yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know they all became in demand though, and there was uh, a bit of time before their next album. Four years, uh, yeah, almost exactly four years. April twenty thirteen, Mosquito was their follow up, also released through Interscope, produced by again Sitak and L- Lane, but on the song "Buried Alive," that one Buried Spiegel alive. and James Murphy, aka Buried LCD. Alive. Dog! <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? So I did. I, I I resisted the Genesis one earlier, but uh, but usually the Genesis of yeah yeah yeah. I didn't. Then, I but, didn't even notice. What... But but I guess he, I can't resist a good old buried alive. <laughs> Anyways, that song is produced by <laughs> by Spiegel and James Murphy, aka LCD Sound System. Right. Yeah. Mosquito, Doug. Tell me about Mosquito. Well, this album has the unfortunate task of having to overcome what is uh, one of the most hideous album covers I have ever oh seen my in my God. life. It's like, uh, I think it's like, <laughs> like uh, they're like toys. They're like models or something. Or they? I think they're just computer generated. Oh, yeah, it might be CG, actually. Uh, yeah, just an image of this disgusting looking child being <laughs> thrust around by this giant mosquito yeah. in a in a gruesome looking font. And everything. the colors are gross. The mm-hmm. images are gross. I just hate looking at it. <laughs> I'm kind of fascinated. Like it's almost like I, it's almost like a car wreck. Like you can't stop looking, but it's not. It's it's yeah. not. I would say it is a miscalculation because that image is stuck with the album. Mm. <laughs> so I would say you know. I mean, it's called Mosquito, so you know. And I can tell you weren't going for something pretty. You may have went a little overboard with the gross, though. Um, uh, did you see the music video for mis- the title track? No. Okay, so it's it's one screen overlaid in another one, and the bottom screen is a picture of a kid. He's clearly watching Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs uh, perform the song because he's bobbing his head along to the rhythm and he's mouthing some of the lyrics and stuff. But the, the majority of the screen is taken up by the kid's hand and a mosquito who's trying to come in and suck his blood. And at first he bats it away, he doesn't, he doesn't even notice. And then the mosquito starts and starts drinking his blood and his abdomen starts growing with blood. And then the fuller it gets, all these vibrant, disgusting colors start coming off the mosquito. And then, predictably, how does the uh, how does the song end? Or the, the video end up? He smushes it. He smushes the mosquito. And then there's blood. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Yeah. So, uh, so, yes, they continue that aesthetic into at least that video. <sighs> and, you know, like, <laughs> eh, it's so unfair, but they have no one to blame but themselves. <laughs> uh... uh Anyway, it also has the unfortunate task of following up its blitz. Mm. So there's a lot of elements working against this one on, on, off the get-go. <laughs> or at least a lot of burden 
I remember listening to it once and feeling kind of meh on it and leaving it for quite a few years. I just never felt called back to listen to it like I did the last two albums. And even Fever to Tell, I, I, I occasionally want to give that another spin. And it really doesn't start off with the greatest tracks. The first two really don't engage me much at all. The title track is more interesting, though, and has a lot more stuff going on, at least. So, And the album feels like a little bit more back to the rock roots of the band, but it retains a lot of the polish and production of its blitz. So, uh, it's not, it's not a complete, it's not a complete, like back to the basics. It's, but it's a little more rocky than synth rocky, if that makes sense. But unfortunately, I still feel about the same on the album, listening to it again. Uh, I gave it another go. I, I, and it just didn't stick. I wouldn't call it a bad album. It's just a disappointment. I mean, if you are a diehard Yes fan, maybe it's for you. You know, um, I was trying to figure out what was what what was it that wasn't clicking with me, and I feel like the rhythm section really gets cheated out on this album. They were so vital before. There were certain songs where like there was just re- the really thunderous drums and bass. Like just it sounded so good, and uh, they're really underutilized here. Uh, there's some tracks where the 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 drums are just kind of in the back and just not not they're they're an afterthought more than more than uh a, a really strong feature of a lot of the tracks and it takes the winds out of the sails of the album because uh the vocal performances are great the synth stuff is often actually really interesting and full of like cool deal little details so there's there is interesting thoughts behind a lot of the songs uh but the pieces for me don't come together and um and it's their longest album mm. so whoops <laughs> um, so yeah I don't know uh, that's that's my unfortunate thoughts on Mosquito I have to take a contrary stance in that Ooh. I really enjoyed this album oh okay like a lot well, then. start from the get go Sacrilege I thought was a great opening track I thought it was great the, the, the vocals guitars all on point got a little choir going in and like a legitimate choir and everything and you know they were really trying to like get the best foot forward, and then the percussion on the second track, Subway, sounds like a, a train going over train tracks, um, but not just as uh, aesthetic, but actually they built the song around it. Yeah, the title track, Mosquito, way more reminiscent of early of their earlier work, and then even at some point, interesting enough, Kirino makes mosquito noises in there, kind of doing a little bit of I can be a frog stuff, I guess, which is making sort of stuff and. Uh, noises and stuff under the earth the bass and the vocal production were great area 52 i thought was another throwback track paying paying you know uh homage to their early work always is probably the highlight of the album a gorgeous track that actually reminds me of the flaming lips it's a a little more psychedelic Hmm. interesting but they didn't they don't they don't overdo it and it continues their tradition of closing albums on a bit more of a a down-tempo emotional song I will say there is a misstep, although I find the song Buried Alive interesting. They gave this guy, Dr. Octagon, a, a guest rap verse. I have mixed feelings about guest guest rap verses, because sometimes I feel like they're just put in for the sake of, you know, being cool or something. Right. Like, uh, I always think of, um, I don't know, going back to R.E.M., the, what's it called, Radio Song, off of Out of Time, uh, where they just brought in this random Jamaican rapper guy, and it's just like, why? Or, uh, uh, Hey Baby and No Doubt. I, I never, I never really got into it. I like that one, actually. I, I know you do. We talked about it in the No Doubt episode. I know you're, you liked it, but I couldn't get into uh, okay. it. Okay. Actually, you know, I will say, was it Broken Social Scenes? The one with Chaos, I felt was 
although it was nice to hear him in there, wasted potential because I think he got like four lines, and they're just uh, I yeah it was. I I feel like if you're gonna have a guest a guest rapper come in, then you have to kind of like, you know, really work it, and it just kind of felt like okay, you do your thing, and then we'll go back to doing our thing. You know what I mean? Mm. Right. Yeah, you gotta integrate it right. That's yeah. such a weird yeah. thing on a Yeah Yeah Yeah's album. It is a little out of place. Um, it's choice. It is a choice. <laughs> it's a, yeah. Yeah. As far as I know, it's the only time in their entire discography they've done it. Uh, so my overall thought for the album was that I, I actually really liked it. I thought it might be my second favorite album by them. A masterful, uh, excellent maturation of their sound, dark at times. Yeah. It's slick. Yeah, so uh, so actually, actually, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of mosquito. All right, well, there you go, folks. Yeah. Two completely contrasting points of view. You ever notice though, the critics love yeah, 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 whatever they put out. I actually haven't paid any attention to what the critics were saying. They, they tend to just be like seven and eights every single every single album. Hmm. Yeah. So, All right. Uh, I mean, good old guys. So they went on hiatus. All the group members went off to do their own things. Uh, Karano has had a solo career. Yeah, I and, can understand uh, that. Yeah, you know? and, uh, and uh, starting families and stuff. Karen said that she, at the time that's uh, of, a, of a particular interview, that she didn't really see a need for them to get back together. Her priority at that point was being a mom. And, you know, understandably, like, the, the live shows and stuff take a lot out of her. Well, and um, also, like, and how, do you, how do you even spend time with your family if you're on the road, right? Yeah, like, yeah or even in studio, right? Uh, you know, like, you know, that's precious time when your kids are young. So it really just didn't seem like they were going to get back together. But like the bands we mentioned at the top of the show, suddenly they did. And I got wind of it because I was hearing this uh, this damn sun burning on the on CBC Radio. Oh, not just CBC Radio. And Sonic and like all the time. Sonic. Uh, Sonic. So, <laughs> yeah. I heard uh, that the song was coming out from uh, Anthony Fantano, the the hmm. internet reviewer. And like, which is how I usually find out that albums are coming out from bands yeah so um, september 2022 last year last fall uh produced by satek again uh, as well as jason no, sorry justin Rayson, who has produced uh, a lot of lil, lil yachty some act called eve tumor uh santa gold and ariel pink he worked on uh, pom pom oh yeah uh but also uh with uh andrew wyatt uh who's produced for lady gaga and mark ronson but uh yes at this time they released on uh the Label Secretly Canadian, which uh, Yesir was releasing through. And isn't that... No, no, it's a different one. Sorry. I was thinking Sufjan Stevens, but that's uh, Atomic Kitten or something like that. Okay, yeah. Cool, so, Secretly Canadian. Cool It Down. Besides, uh, how did you feel about Cool It Down? Well, okay, so it does have the unfortunate task of having to be a comeback album. Coming, it was, it was nine nine years after yeah. Mosquito. I'm trying to reevaluate how I think of comeback albums. I'm trying mm. to be. I'm trying more and more to not push, to not put so much pressure on a comeback album because there is a certain unfair standard we hold them to, whether it's intentional or not. Because you you have you have to the questions like why now, mm. uh, what took so long, what do you have to say that you felt you had to come out of your your recess. I'm trying to understand. Uh, I just try. I, I, I'm now. You know. I. I feel a need to. I. I understand more about the just the need to recharge the batteries, mm-hmm. or just to do something else with life because, you know, it's it, being in a band, releasing albums regularly, touring, music videos like that does take so much out of people. I need to. I. I. I'm trying to respect the human element behind the music a lot more. 
But there is always going to be that why now question in my head. Like, what does this have to say that make them come out of... I keep want to say hiding. They weren't hiding. <laughs> <laughs> they just, just, just come back from, from a break. And fortunately, uh, right away, this album has more going on with it. The first track, um, Spinning Off the Edge of the World, has some very cool synth sounds and some very great dynamics. Uh, it really builds into something exciting. Wolf also has pretty great synth-heavy sound to it, if not a bit overdramatic sounding. I did kind of uh, forget to... Or, or I got a little... I didn't finish my notes writing down, but I think so. I can't. I can't speak on more specific tracks, but the album it's good. I I actually I like it quite a bit. I I just it's a little it does feel a little short. It does feel a little short, and uh, and, and it is pretty short. It's like a half hour. Um, and sometimes maybe sometimes a touch overproduced, but it is kind of nice to just hear them again. And, and although it doesn't feel like I guess I don't. I don't feel like I understand like why now and why this album and uh, I it 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 doesn't feel like it's trying too hard, <laughs> and so I guess I kind of appreciate that they're just kind of carrying on with business as usual or just trying something new, but not but not like completely reinventing the wheel. It's just it's 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 just kind of a, another. It's it's kind of more in that synth direction with very thick sounds. And so I think aesthetically it's kind of cool. I don't know. I do have kind of mixed feelings about it because I, I I do feel like hey it could be a little it could feel a little more fulfilling at the end, but uh, I think the music is good. So what are your thoughts? Um, I'm not a fan, truthfully. Okay. Uh, I don't think it's bad by any stretch. <clears throat> uh, and my thoughts are similar to yours. So it is calmer. It's more polished. The the punk aesthetic is basically entirely gone. Yeah, they did have an interesting. I think it was in three songs. An interesting thing where occasionally she do spoken word, and I thought that was kind of a nice touch. It gives the album, you know, some sort of identity when when she's she's speaking to us and she's. It, it, it's almost like you know, like she's she's trying to convey just a little bit more. So I thought that was interesting. It's actually if we had swapped this with Mosquito, it might make a little bit more sense because this actually feels more like a follow up to It's Blitz. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Quality, but it's more electronic. It's less dance. It's an optimistic album. I will give it that. It's it's not dour or dark. Most of the songs tend to have a feeling of like, you know what? Things ain't so bad, you know? Love Bomb is a lovely song, but a complete departure from anything they've done. Burning is the standout single. And for a reason, I feel it's almost like if you could come up with like a stereotypical, cliched, yeah, yeah, yeah song. Hey, I want to know what yeah 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 sound like. Oh well, here's burning. Uh, listen, 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 and you'll 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 hit all the right. notes. You'll hit all the notes. Different today has great production. They continue their trend of having another gentle closing track. Here is my ultimate thought, though. It is strangely restrained. A lot of the ideas in these songs are good, but they don't develop them fully. I keep wanting them to push just a little bit further to make the songs great. And for the vast majority of them, I feel a little let down. It's like, whether it's, I want Karen to do a little more with her vocals because I know she can. I want Nick to do more with the guitar or the loops because I know he can. I want to hear a little <laughs> bit more production. I want to hear like just something a little more like it, it hits a good mark. Uh, and it, I feel like it was spitting distance from being great, and I feel that as a letdown. 
while I don't think Yeah Yeahs have ever released a bad album, I feel the bookends um, are the weakest points. I would say. At this point. At this point, yes. Yeah. Uh, again, yeah. this album only came out not even a year ago, so it's it's possible that they're they're back on track. Okay. So that's where we are with the IAS. I guess so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with some of your points, but yeah, I guess just uh, I, I guess just like Mosquito, we just had uh, different different feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. yeah. Because yeah, it does feel definitely like it, it could be more of a more of a follow up to its blitz, kind of carry on that aesthetic rather than carrying on from where Mosquito left off. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. All right. So track recommendations. Sounds like a plan. Okay. Uh, why don't you go? I'm going to go with, uh, you know, I'm really torn on a couple of the tracks from Show Your Bones because there's a few really good ones I want to go with. But I think I will go with Phenomena because uh, I how could I not recommend it to you? Because um, there's some, something like a Phenomena. <laughs> like phenomena. The, the course is irresistible. The thunderous percussion is amazing uh, and and also uh, just a catchy catchy hook it's it's a it captures a brilliant brilliant rock spirit that shows yeah yeah yeah's at the top of their game next track uh it's it does feel kind of like a safe choice i'm gonna go with hysteric actually nice because i i I was was gonna go with zero but i feel like everyone's heard zero and if you haven't check out zero but uh, hysteric is also a terrific track from its blitz uh, right at the end there and it's, there's some, some, some of really uh, like emotional quality into it that I think really makes make it a cut above and uh, you know good good to head bop your head to and uh, yeah just good use of the different sounds that the band has to offer so be sure to check out Hysteric and I guess on a different end of things I am going to go with you know what? I'm just gonna go with Art Star. <laughs> yes, not? perfect. Yeah, check it out. I'm everybody. gonna, I'm gonna piggyback on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just because uh, there's nothing uh, quite, quite like it. So. Well, that's just it. Kind of sticks with you, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, I keep thinking of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if you want to be yelled at a little bit by Karen O and uh, and just listen to something that that's uh, the the band doesn't typically do, um, check out from that that early EP of theirs, their self-titled EP, um, Art Star. Um, yeah, if you want to feel just a little bit, a little bit of a quirky audio assault. Yeah, I just couldn't stop thinking of Artstar. Okay, so uh, again, big back off Artstar, and, and you know what? It's not even a long investment; it's less than two minutes. Yeah, it gets everything it needs done and out of the way. And mission accomplished. Yeah. I think I will do Heads Will Roll off of its blitz because it's just, uh, oh man, the, the way that the song is structured, like, it would be so easy to omit guitar from that song, but uh, but Nick Zenner's guitar is throughout that song, and sometimes his presence is super, super strong and really fleshes it out, but it's got such a fantastic dance feel to it. And, uh, oh, the music video, by the way, is uh, is a werewolf coming out and dancing with a band in front of, like, a, it looks kind of like a... Um, like a speakeasy, oh. and the band is playing behind behind the werewolf as he's doing his thing. I love being a good werewolf music video. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, yeah, like, oh, uh, holy cow, it's the Yeah 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 song for Flaming Lips. <laughs> yeah, that oh, was... Uh, wow, I didn't think yeah, that was werewolf me. too. Wow, that's crazy. The yeah 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 song. Yeah. Oh, for, yeah. Oh, by the Flaming Lips has a werewolf as well. Yeah. How deep does this rabbit hole go? And how many werewolves <laughs> does it take to dig out a rabbit hole? Yeah, right. <laughs> Not long. Uh, not many. Yeah, yeah. Go with, with has a roll. Um, all like start to finish, 
it picks you up and it carries you. Great song. Yeah, I'm gonna go uh, for Mosquito uh, Always. Again, I said the song is gorgeous from the, uh, like every part of it is done is done fantastically. The vocals are, are totally on point. The, the Nick Zinner's guitar and his, his, his synth work are great. The, the production is, is gentle and it's got that slight psychedelic vibe. Tell me if I'm crazy, nuts. <laughs> and I, I feel like uh, if they kind of wanted to pursue this a little more, I'd be interested in hearing it. I'd be interested in hearing that direction a little more. I'm gonna say why control? Like, don't get me wrong. Maps is a phenomenal song. Mm-hmm. Maps is really, really good. I think I'm, that might be the video in the show notes, actually. Uh, but I also, though, but why not? No, 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 not why control, but why? No, no, I was, I was, I was, you know, I was trying to be a funny guy. You know? I was just, you're, just, funny. you're thrown off my groove. Okay. Um, I, think, I think what I like about it is that it, it, it continues on where maps left off. Like, the songs blend into each other. They, they mm-hmm. flow into each other. And says, okay, well, here's what, here's what more of the album is. So it's kind of like this this integration of the two sounds, and while still carrying the instrumentation, but then uh, like the, instead of instead of the sadness of maps, we, we match that with kind of which kind of uh, an aggression and uh, all in all, I think I think that's a great song. So check out Why Control. Why? Why? All right, Douglas. All right, my Douglas. Oh yeah. So what did you want to go with? I mean, I was tempted to go with Zon. Zon? Yeah, yeah. If you like. Yeah, okay, let's do it. Zon yeah, it is. Is it Z-O-N or what? Z-O-N. We're going, we're going for a bit of a deep cut, ladies and gents, for our Z band. Progressive rock formed in Toronto, Canada. Ooh, Canada. <clears throat> we? We. Z-O-N, Zon. So maybe you, uh, before you listen to that show, brush up on your Zon, if you can find it. If you, if you can find it. I mean, who knows? Maybe we won't. I, I, I haven't started looking yet. Yeah, I haven't as well. But fellow listener, dear listener, what do you think of Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's? What do you think of X-Ray Specs? What do you think is on? If you have any opinions on Zon, there's a couple ways you can let us know, eh? First off, the Facebook page. I'm always watching the Facebook page, Music A to Z Podcast. We have a Twitter account. Before Twitter completely implodes in on itself, I ain't, I ain't buying that blue check mark. It's not happening. So, but it's at music AZ podcast at music AZ podcast. Am I going to do threads? I don't know. I'm, I honestly don't know. I, uh, uh it's, just, it's, uh, it's yeah, just, I don't know. It's, uh, I, yeah, I, I get the hesitancy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we also have a, uh, a centralized website. If you're like, Oh, I wonder if, uh, Stephen Doug mentioned that they did uh, a couple of these other bands, you know, they, they've done stars and they've done arcade fire, you know, can I, can I find it? Uh, the answer is yes. Yeah, music, you can. Music A to Z podcast.com. You can go there. You can even sort by genre. I've got a, a genre listing on the side. Uh, if you're like, I'm into hip hop and nothing else, uh, go for it. Go go check out. We what should we do some more hip hop, though. We don't we do it do. enough. Just more hip hop, for sure. Reach out at any time. I'd love to hear your feedback. And uh, we have a, a couple of special episodes for the end of this run after Zed that I'm looking forward to. Doug, how can these peeps find you? Yeah, so uh, if you head on over to YouTube, a very popular website that plays videos that you can, you yourself can upload, but not, don't upload my videos. And you look up, <laughs> you look up moving underscore pictures, and that's pictures instead of a C, we have a K. You can find me, uh, and I will entertain you endlessly. Especially if you like Transformers or nostalgic media in general, I do talk a lot about it. And uh, be sure to subscribe, and then I'll be your best friend. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being a friend. I think that's about it. Anything else, Captain? No. No, not at all. Cool. Well, then, I'm going to close this out by saying... 
Music A to Z podcast is hosted by Steve and Doug Ferguson. It is produced by me, Stephen Ferguson. You should check out our other works at stephengcferguson.ca and moving underscore pictures on YouTube.